Good evening. evening. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb. A special warm welcome to any guests or visitors that we may have joining us this evening. Please know you're always welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. As we're here to celebrate, well, on the civic calendar, it's New Year's Eve. On the church calendar, it is the eve of the circumcision and naming of Jesus, which always begs the question, why? Why celebrate such a thing? Well, even at eight days old, we see that our Lord Jesus, the little Lord Jesus at that point, was fulfilling the law for us through the first shedding of his blood. And we'll hear more about that and how profound that actually is for us and for our benefit when we come to the readings and also the sermon. Our service this evening is uh, the prayer office of Vespers. As it begins on page 229, we'll now sing the first hymn. The Old Testament lesson for this, the eve of the circumcision and naming of Jesus, is from Numbers chapter 6. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from Galatians chapter 3. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. O Lord, have mercy on us. Please stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. O Lord, have mercy on us. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sermon is based upon the gospel text which we just heard, read. As the world around us rushes headlong into an evening full of wild partying, supposedly to welcome in the civil new year, the church, the bride of Christ, in stark contrast calls her children to come together one last time in 2023 to give thanks and praise to God for what is, admittedly, an odd gift. The circumcision of a baby Jewish boy two millennia ago. What? The world asks in shock and in utter disbelief. Are you serious? We are indeed. Tomorrow will mark the eighth day since Christmas celebrated Jesus, since Christians celebrated Jesus' birth. Eight days after he was born, 
Mary and Joseph brought their baby boy to receive circumcision, as we heard in the gospel. As part of that ceremony, the child was named Jesus, meaning the Lord saves. The very name the angel had foretold to his parents. You see, Jews had been circumcising their male children ever since the days of Abraham, when God instructed them to do so. Circumcision brought that child into God's covenant promise with Abraham, making him, or rather marking him, as one of God's own. Now, Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 to 14, it details the institution of circumcision. For century after century, God's Old Testament people, they eagerly waited for the Lord to keep the biggest part of his promise to Abraham. And that is the day that all the families of the earth would be blessed through one of Abraham's descendants. The sign of God's promise was put, one must say, in a logical spot. Israelite boys bore on their bodies a constant reminder of the promised seed of Eve, the Savior, the Messiah, the Blessed One, who would one day be born to save us all. So when Mary and Joseph had Jesus circumcised, it was the circumcision to end all circumcisions. The promised one had come. Christ's active and passive obedience, they are both confessed here. Actively, Jesus, the very giver of the law, he humbly stooped to stand under the law in order to fulfill it perfectly for all people. We heard about this some this morning when he was presented at the temple for purification. St. Paul speaks of this, as we heard earlier today in Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those, that is, to buy back those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. No human born from Adam in the usual way could ever do this. But as you know well, Jesus was not born in the usual way. Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us, was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Therefore, with his circumcision, Jesus' unbroken yes to the will of his Father had begun. Passively, his infant bloodshed foreshadowed a greater bloodshed to come. It foreshadowed already the blood pressed from him in the garden, running down his face from the cruel crown of thorns, staining the wood of the cross. This is why he came, to spill his blood. That's how he, pro he would provide the covering that blots out the sin of the world. All of it, mind you. He didn't miss anything. That is how the blessing would come. In the crucifixion of Jesus, we see how the Lord saves sinners by bearing the awful consequences of the law in our place. In the cross, law and gospel meet in the most shocking and also most glorious of ways. The sinless giver of the law suffers the full punishment of breaking the law in order to set us, lawless sinners, free. The Lord of life walks through the valley of the shadow of death in order to open the way of life eternal to all believers, all who would trust in him by the Holy Spirit. And all of this is done out of pure grace, pure kindness, pure divine love. As sinners, you and I, we deserve none of this from God, but he does it anyway. As St. John says, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Even though Jesus had perfectly fulfilled circumcision, 
that did not stop false teachers from spreading confusion and lies. In the earliest days of the church after Pentecost, some false teachers insisted that to be a Christian, a man needed to be circumcised and told to keep the law of Moses. In a way, St. Paul agreed, and yet, more profoundly, he disagreed. He agreed that circumcision was important, but that it only benefited the person who kept the whole law and did so perfectly. The only person who could do this, of course, was Jesus. When you're baptized into him, into Christ, his circumcision and perfect obedience are counted as your very own. Everything that is, that is his is signed over to you, put to your account in the water with God's word. His righteousness becomes your righteousness. His perfect keeping of the law becomes your perfect keeping of the law. And the same is true of his death and resurrection. In baptism, you are joined to Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. St. Paul teaches us in Romans 6, saying, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Baptism joins you to Jesus. It is something God does for you, something God does to you. It is God's act, not man's act. By being joined to Jesus, you are joined to the promise of Abraham. This is the connection of the gospel to the epistle for the day. St. Paul writes, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Those who are baptized into Christ and have faith in Christ are sons of God through faith. In other words, when God the Father looks upon you, his repentant, baptized child, he does not see an unclean, damnable sinner. No, instead he sees Jesus. For Christians, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Greek, slave or free, male or female. God sees you as his baptized and forgiven child, covered with the blood of Jesus and filled with his Holy Spirit. This truth is so important that St. Paul writes about it further in his letter to the Colossians, saying, In him, that is, in Christ, also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him, that is, Jesus, from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, with Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. As you've heard, the connections between baptism and circumcision are many. In baptism, you are joined to Jesus. The record of death that stood against you has been nailed to the cross. Your sins are forgiven. All of them. Completely. There's nothing left out. God be praised. However, by being joined to Jesus in baptism, you are also cut off from the unbelieving world. 
As baptized children of God, you do not belong to this world anymore. You belong to God. You are his child, and your citizenship, it is in heaven. To be God's child is the most glorious thing. This is your identity. This is who you are. You are defined by what God says of you and not anyone else. God has marked you with his triune name. He has sealed you with his Holy Spirit and set you apart as his own dear child. Again, dear saints, this is your identity. This is who you are. Before anything else, you are God's child, a Christian. But to the unbelieving world, well, this is offensive. You're identified by the name of Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb of Mary. You are one of those Jesus people, a Christian. And by the way, not just culturally, but you actually believe this to be true. You confess that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given under, under heaven, given among men by which we must be saved. And it is this truth which causes so much offense both in the world and also in the church, mind you. In the world, this truth is offensive because it is so exclusive. There's salvation in no one else and nothing else. Faith in Jesus is the only way to eternal life. This means, then, that Muslims, Mormons, Hindus, atheists, witches, Satanists, and yes, even Jewish people, they will go to hell unless they repent and trust in Christ alone for their salvation. Unbelievers go to hell. This truth is offensive to the world, and it is offensive to our own sinful flesh. However, the doctrine of salvation through faith in Christ alone, it is also offensive in the church. How so? Well, your good works and good intentions cannot and do not save you. Your political affiliation does not save you. Your charitable giving does not save you, and neither does your volunteering. A Christian is not saved by their great wealth of knowledge or their lack of it. Before God, only faith in Christ Jesus saves. Dear saints, you know this well. But perhaps among Christians, the most offensive thing about salvation in Christ alone is this. That there are people we know and love that will not go to heaven. Think about it. How many confirmed youths have never come back to church after confirmation day? How many Christian marriages have begun in Christ only to end in spiritual apathy and unbelief? How many of your friends and relatives claim to be Christian but are functional atheists? Avoiding Christ, avoiding his church, avoiding and spurning his word and sacraments as much as possible. How many Christians have their children baptized and promptly neglect the gift of faith which the Holy Spirit planted in their son or in their daughter? Dear saints, do not allow yourselves to become disillusioned. It is faith in Christ that saves. Unbelief does the opposite. It condemns to hell. Children of God desire the gifts of God. Unbelievers, meanwhile, they have no appetite for Christ's word and sacraments, and they demonstrate this clearly by avoiding them. Lest this cause you to despair, remember that there is sure and certain hope. His name is Jesus. In the midst of this world full of darkness and death, there is light and life. His name is Jesus. It is him we are celebrating in this 12-day season of joy called Christmas. Because you see, we have every reason to celebrate, even in the midst of this world which is falling apart around us. Why? For to us a child is born. To us, a son is given. 
And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus, which means the Lord saves, and he has saved us. In his incredible love and mercy, he came to us to fulfill the law, to die our death on the cross, to rise from death in victory and triumph. All of this he did for you, for your loved ones, for your enemies, indeed for the whole world. All those that you hold dear in your hearts, Jesus loves them more than you ever could or would. He loves them perfectly, just as he loves you. He doesn't want them to go to hell. That's why he was born in Bethlehem, lived, died, and rose for each and every one of them. He is their Savior, not you. All he calls for you to do is to pray for their salvation, confess the gospel to them, and invite them to come to church. If they reject the invitation, remember, they're not rejecting you, but him. They may reject your invitation to come to church now, but perhaps later they will agree to come with you. Regardless of their answer, pray for them, love them, and commend them to the Holy Spirit, because it is he who knows best what to do. In the collect of the day that is appointed for the circumcision and naming of Jesus, we will pray, Lord God, you made your beloved Son our Savior subject to the law and caused him to shed his blood on our behalf. Grant us the true circumcision of the Spirit, that our hearts may be made pure from all sins. This true circumcision of the Spirit that purifies our hearts of sin is faith, which is given in holy baptism. In that blessed washing of water and the word, God puts his triune name on sinners and gives to them faith which lays hold of all of the gifts of Jesus' cross and resurrection. And water, word, bread, and wine, Jesus himself comes to you, his repentant people, and he bestows his forgiveness and mercy, his light, his life, his healing, and his peace. All of these gifts are yours through faith in Jesus, your Lord, who has saved you. So then, just what does the circumcision of a newborn Jewish boy 2,000 years ago have to do with you today? As it turns out, absolutely everything. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God which surpasses understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord God, you made your beloved Son our Savior subject to the law and caused him to shed his blood on our behalf. Grant us the true circumcision of the Spirit that our hearts may be made pure from all sins. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the new year, and thanksgiving for God's providence throughout the past year, that God would continue to show us his favor and preserve us in the days to come through all the changes and chances of this mortal life, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God would bring us at last to that blessed day when every barrier and division shall be healed, when time itself shall end, and we shall be one people. Together in his presence forevermore, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all the baptized, that since Christ has fulfilled the law on our behalf, we would rejoice to do the will of our Heavenly Father and always desire to walk in his ways. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
for all families and homes, that one generation may tell to the next the wonderful works of God in Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the nations, that God would bring an end to the hatred and, and violence that threaten all people, that he would order our days and our doings by his word, that he would give wisdom to our president, Congress, judges, and all in authority over us, that he would deliver us from every danger, and that he would establish his peace throughout the world. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the sick and suffering, especially Pat Taney, Norma Horine, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that they would have relief from their afflictions and the hope that Christ alone can give. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You made your Son a little lower than the heavenly beings for our salvation, and now he sits enthroned in heaven, crowned with glory and honor. Receive our thanks for all who have gone before us, who bore your name in this world, and who now stand before you in heaven. Bless us all in this new year, and preserve in us faith until that day when we also stand before you in glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Well, a blessed Christmas and New Year to you all as we continue to rejoice that Jesus has done all things well for us, fulfilling the law, dying and rising for our salvation. And so, amen, amen, it is done. And we do pray, of course, as we do each and every year and each and every day that this day, this year, might just be the one where he returns and we get to see him all face to face. Amen. Jesus, hear us. Go in God's peace. I'll greet you at the door.